Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, what's up? Welcome to the Thursday show. 16 games on the schedule yesterday, so you know we got a lot to talk about. How many players double donged yesterday, guys? Do you know? Uh, Five? Six. Eight. Six. Both. We're wrong. Good start to the show. And if Blake Snell had pitched a little longer, maybe seven or eight would have doubled on, but he did not make it past one out in the first inning. We will, of course, talk about Blake Snell. It's actually a very exciting show. A lot of young pitchers being called up or uh, maybe putting getting put back into duty, is as the case for Chris Paddock and maybe Julio Arias. Uh, Pablo Lopez on the IL, so Zach Gallen is going to start today. And Adbert Alzale could pitch today, so exciting times. Heath, I want to thank you for doing a great job hosting yesterday. Well done, sir. You're welcome. What's wrong? Heath, I, I sense you're a little down today. What's up? I'm not down at all. It's I'm a bi- very happy to be here. All right. I mean, it's NBA He's flying draft the QS today. Come on. What does your shirt say? I'm sorry? What does your shirt say? It says, fly the quality start. Okay. I'm all about that. Uh, Scott, you sound better, although it seems like our listeners enjoyed sexy Scott White's voice, but you sound like you're getting healthier. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm on the, the right track. Yeah, I, I don't know. Some of them, like, I, I thought I sounded a little like Salba Bouvier, <laughs> but I don't know. If they're into that, I guess that's fine. All right. Well, let's get to the show. So Zach Allen's 50% owned. Julio Arias is 38% owned. And I actually don't know Adbert Alzole's ownership percentage, but I guarantee it's lower than that. I will tell you what it is in a moment. Yeah. Uh, Gallon's going to start today. I I am speculating on Arias, who was supposed to start today regardless, but just, you know, as sort of a bullpen day. But then last night, Rich Hill, he's going on the IL with a forearm issue or an elbow issue. He had elbow tightness. Um so I'm speculating that he joins the rotation. I don't know that. I picked him up in five of six leagues yesterday, so I certainly hope that's the case. That's uh, Julio Arias for the Dodgers. <laughs> Alzale up while Hendricks is uh, he's 10% owned, Alzale. Hendricks is on the IL, and then Chris Paddock coming back to start on Saturday. We're excited about him. Scott, um, if you're going to pick up Gallon, Arias, or Alzale, rank them. How would you pick them up? That's probably how I'd rank them, how you listed them there. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's hard to say exactly how long this is going to be for or, – or, or it's hard to say anything in terms of uh, – well, really, for any of these guys. I was going to talk about Arias because we don't know the extent of Hill's injury. And, you know, last time they had an opening, they went with Ross Stripling instead. It, it seems like Arias has been the one pitching longer bullpen outings, so it would make more sense for him to enter the rotation than Stripling. But of course, Stripling has pretty good numbers too. Um, you know, Gallon, yes, there's an opening with Pablo Lopez going on the IL for what may be, may be a while. Um, but, you know, eventually, very soon, Caleb Smith's going to be coming back and it, if, if Zach Gallen isn't great today, considering uh, both Eliezer Hernandez and Jordan Yamamoto have been, it could be a one and done for him. 
And then Adbert Alzalay, or I think it might be Alzalay. I heard it. I heard it today is Alzalay. I was listening to like a Cubs podcast just to get pronunciation, and they said Alzalay, but that is unofficial. Yeah. Okay. Um, He is not. He's going to be following Tyler Chatwood today, so he's not actually getting the start. But it might be a situation where Tyler Chatwood's kind of the opener for him, and really Alzalay pitches the starters worth inning. So. Uh, you know, he's the one we've probably talked about the least all this time. Uh, he has been pitching really well at AAA. Four straight starts with eight strikeouts or more. I think five earned runs between them. I think three walks between those five, uh, four starts. So, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely interesting. But he would be third on that list for me. Zach Gallen's the most exciting because if he's as good as he's been at AAA, I don't think there's any any taking him out of that rotation. Heath, you want to get excited about these guys? How are you feeling about Gallon, oh, th- Arias, and Alzale? Yeah, I think it's really easy to get excited about Gallon. I think it's really easy to get excited about Urias. I really struggle with Gallon just because like he has been this season one of the best pitchers in any level of organized baseball. And really didn't show us much before this season that made us think that was possible. So it's interesting. I mean, it's it's a it's ninety one innings so far this year. That, that's plenty to make you think this yep. is somewhat legit. But also, yep. his track record before this doesn't really lend itself. I, if you there was no doubt coming into this year who we we're going to get more excited about Julio Urias or Zach Gallon, and Urias hasn't exactly been bad. So yeah. I, if you told me Julio Urias and Zach Gallon were both going to pitch in the rotation for the rest of the season, I would wager on the side of Julio Urias being the bit better starting pitcher. But they're both very worth getting excited. I think there's a pretty big, like, I have a hard time deciding which of the two I would rather add right now. I think there's a pretty good gap between those two and Azale. Yeah. So the average ERA, I, I don't know if it's a AAA or in the Pacific Coast League, but the league, you know, the, the level Zach Gallon has been pitching at is over five. And his ERA, his ERA is like four runs lower than the league's average ERA. And um, he did make, some changes to emerge in this way. He 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 solidified his arm angle. It's I think lower than it was last year. And it was kind of all over the place last year. And that's really helped with the control. His velocity is up. He's put in a lot of work on his cutter, which seems to be a very effective pitch for him. Uh, obviously, we don't know. Like we've seen pitchers have, uh, you know, Mike Fires. His minor league numbers were always fantastic, and he hasn't been that big of a deal in the majors. So, you know, we don't really know until he gets there, obviously. But um, it does seem like there is there are skill changes that are backing up the sudden emergence for Zach Gallen this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think he could be something like like Matthew Boyd in the majors. And that's obviously worth getting excited about. Yeah, it's a really important day because Gallen's going to start today. And, you know, he, he throws, by the way, I don't, did we mention his velocity? He throws like 97 miles per hour. So that's obviously awesome. He'll, he'll be at the Cardinals. That's an improvement. Yeah. yeah, that right. So he'll be at the Cardinals today. And the Cardinals, I mean, honestly, like the Cardinals, their top three hitters, Carpenter, DeYoung, and Goldschmidt. I know Goldschmidt homered yesterday, but he didn't even start. They haven't been hitting well at all. So I, I mean, that might be some of the reason why all these Marlins pitchers have done well against the Cardinals lately. And Gallon will try to do the same today. Uh, and then Arias, he will start today. But as Scott mentioned, Ross Stripling is there. Dave Roberts seemed a little optimistic about Rich Hill. He's definitely going to miss some time, but we don't know how much. 
so all I saw, like it was 11 something at night. I was getting ready to call it a night. And then I see Rich Hill only, I looked at the box score, he pitched an inning. And then I, you know, check and he left after an inning. I'm like, okay, it's Rich Hill left after an inning. I got to take a chance. Cause I believe, I think we all believe that Arias has huge upside and um, he's made four starts this year. Two of them were great. Two of them were terrible. One of the terrible ones was at Colorado, so I'll throw that out. The other terrible one was home against the Brewers. Um, so, all right, we'll see what happens. And these are guys that should be on your radar right now. How about Jesus Lazardo or, or Gallen or Arias? Uh, how would you rank Lazardo with them? And then we'll move on. I think you probably have to drop Lazardo to third, though I, I, you know, we we should we should have a better idea the longevity of both Gallon and Arias after today. Um, so you know, I'd, I'd, if I already had secured, uh, if I already secured Lizardo, I'd be, I don't know, I think I'd be hesitant to drop him for Arias just because of, you know, less so about um, ability than than uh, that what kind of opportunity is really there. Because Luzardo's coming, and he's probably staying when he gets here, and he's probably going to be great when he gets here. So uh, I would probably rank them in terms of how much I'd want to own them, Gallon, Luzardo, and then Arias. But, you know, Gallon has an awful start today. That would change things. I think I'd go Luzardo, Gallon, Urias. I, I, I don't think I could drop Luzardo. All right. So today's a big sports day. We do have the NBA draft tonight. That'll be fun. But let's give a shout-out to the women's soccer team pretty sure they're playing yeah they're playing today at like one o'clock so let's go usa uh today's sponsor is lightstream you'll hear about them later on in the show but if you have some credit card debt this is a great way to consolidate lightstream.com slash strike l-i-g-h-t-s-t-r-e-a-m.com slash strike for our special offers actually really good offers you're going to hear about lightstream in a bit uh we got a ranking show today scott and heath have made adjustments to their rankings i'm gonna try to bully heath into making another adjustment to his rankings you want me to do that now or, or you want me to save it no for i know what you're going to say it's, and i'm not going to do it's it today, time so. it's time oh. <laughs> Heath. what am i gonna say you want me to put mike trout ahead of mookie Betts? i don't know i think maybe you should trout's been like 70 fantasy points better than Betts. you know trout's one of the greatest players yes. in baseball history just think maybe it's time maybe it's time okay no, not gonna happen. No, I came in this week's trade chart. I came dangerously close to moving Christian Yelich ahead of Mike Trout, but certainly I have both out of bets. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, you gotta get those steals, right? Um, all right, let's get the studs being duds here. There were three studs who were duds last night. They were Blake Snell. Oh my gosh, he had the arguably the worst start ever for a reigning Cy Young winner. No Cy Young winner had ever reigning you know, the year after he won the award had ever given up six runs while recording one or fewer outs. So Snell was terrible. You see the home run from Gary Sanchez. It wasn't exactly a moonshot, a bit of a Yankee Stadium homer. But the walks were an issue for Snell. He walked four while recording just one out. Uh, Lucas Giolito and Zach Greinke we'll get to in a second. Giolito, I think it's pretty interesting what he's done against the tougher competition. Hasn't been very good, and next week he has two tough matchups. Uh, but let's talk about Snell, guys. Thuriometer Thursday, Heath, your favorite segment. How thurried are you about Blake Snell? Zero to ten. Yeah, I think after the worryometer yesterday, someone tweeted at Chris and I asking us to add Blake Snell. I didn't respond, but Chris responded with a zero. 
<laughs> I would say for the rest of the season, I'm pretty close to that same number as zero. But over the next couple of starts, I'm probably closer to a five or six. There's clearly something where he just does not have the same command. He's a guy who struggled with command and control before last year. And I expect he's going to get it figured out. The talent's too great for it not to happen. But I don't know that he's going to get it figured out before his next start. Okay, yeah, so... But it wouldn't be a surprise, you know, if his, if his next start was 6-1 hittings with 1 hit innings with 11 strikeouts. That's the thing. Like, I, I was kind of ex- expressing my exasperation to Chris about our need to go over this every time. Like, I feel like... I feel like so much of our job is just reassuring people that is just putting things into perspective and reassuring people that the latest thing you saw isn't what's going to always happen and it's right, over it's been and a- over again every time a good pitcher has a belt three starts ago nobody cared about this three starts ago snell was coming off of a five start stretch with like a 160 era four, and four nobody was concerned. it's been four starts yeah. now where he's He's had one good start in his last four. Yes, yeah, so three of his last okay. four have been terrible. The, the entire month the of June is, is basically like, been is a any, disaster. Is anybody concerned about Garrett Cole today? Because four starts ago, Garrett Cole had an ERA over four, and I don't remember. Like everybody thinks he's the bee's knees all of a sudden, and he is, by the way. But Snell has far and away the best swinging strike rate in baseball. Distant, distant first in that category. Even after yesterday's start, which was abysmal, it was a minus sixteen point start. His FIP is only up to 337. His ex-FIP is 313. I mean, like, he's a dominant, dominant pitcher who just happened to be coming off, like, you know, a bad start and a bad couple starts, whatever. He's going to be fine. A bad month. Yeah, look, I I, uh, I don't think we're concerned, but if our listeners are concerned, we have to talk about it. And you're right. A lot of it is real. Yeah, a lot of it is. Yeah, but you talked about it like, uh, like, <laughs> like, why do I have to no, talk it's about this? Like it, it, it is. But, like, but Scott, where were we with Aaron Nola a month and a half ago? Probably like, yeah, just being, okay. But this is different. We're wrong like sometimes. Aaron Nola, none of Aaron Nola's peripherals have looked very good all season long. Like even Chris Sale at the start of the season, I got that his velocity was way down. Okay, like. We kept the faith, even in that situation, but there was legitimate reason for concern, I feel like. In this case, there's not legitimate reason for concern. Well, that okay, that's fine, but that is that is equally as important to state as when there is. I know, I'm, yeah. I'm stating it. I just, I just wish, I, I just sometimes wish, like, baseball fans as a whole would get to a place where they realize, okay, this isn't basketball, this isn't football, there's going to be a high degree of variance every single day. And some things just aren't worth reacting to. I, I I understand we have to because other people are. But but what what is these like I I most I'm usually the underreactor, so I usually agree with you here. But I don't know what what is the baseline. Like if Blake Snell had one more bad start and four of his last five starts had been terrible, or do we have to get to six out of seven? I think three out of four being just really really bad is a a decent baseline for saying okay we we've got to talk about this now. I agree, especially when he's walked seven in his last two starts, and that's over three and two-thirds. He has almost as many walks as swinging strikes in his last two starts. Yeah, I just I just think if we went through the history of game logs for good pitchers and good seasons, I think we'd find a lot of two-start stretches like this. 
but it's four starts. Yes, but, three out of four. Uh, okay. Look, I, I don't look. We're done. We're done. So we, no, we are fine with starts Brunel. ago. Nobody. Trust me. Two starts ago, nobody was worried. About You're right. So five out of six, six innings, one run, seven uh, strike. We're like, done. We're done. Six. We're done. We're moving on to Lucas Giolito. Just to sum up, Blake Snell. Uh, Kevin Cash said. He can't land a breaking ball the way we've seen him in the past. The changeup's not there for him. He throws that really well, generally behind the count. It's not there for him. A lot of it is the command. The stuff has not changed whatsoever. So to sum it up, we don't have a lot of concerns long-term about Blake Snell. Go ahead and buy low. Lucas Giolito. So he's 10-2 and with a 274 ERA. He gave up six runs and three homers at the Cubs. An ugly, cold, rainy, windy day yesterday. Um, an emotional game. As you, If you're watching the highlights, if you're watching on our YouTube channel... Uh, I think that was the Contreras home run, and he was pretty pumped up. And it seemed like Giolito did well against pretty much everyone but Contreras. But five starts against great offenses. I won't go through all the numbers. They're in the notes if you guys want to bring it up. But suffice to say, Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, Cubs, and I actually think the Yankees twice. Oh, no, uh, maybe the Yankees twice. Um, He has faced the Yankees twice. One of them was really good, though. One of them was really good. He did walk four in that start, but it was good. Uh, the only like, great start was the Astros start. It was a complete game shutout. That was no Altuve, no Springer. I Look, I love Giolito, but when I see that he has struggled against the Cubs, against the Red Sox, once against the Yankees, I, I guess next week's a big one because he's got at Boston and home against Minnesota. Maybe I'll start reevaluating how convinced I am that Giolito is a true ace because I'm pretty much there. But maybe I need to take a step back and see what he does next week at Boston and home against Minnesota. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there was some regression coming. Um, and there may still be some more regression coming. But, you know, he had 21 swinging strikes yesterday. Like, stuff-wise, he's there. There may be some command issues that pop up every now and then that lead to outings like yesterday's. But I... I have no doubt he has the stuff of an ace, and usually that's going to lead to very good results. I don't really care how the Red Sox or the Twins hit him next week. I'll be watching the walk totals. He's got seven walks in his last two starts. If the control starts to go, then I'll be a little more concerned. Uh, Patrick Corbin pitched yesterday. He pitched well. Would you rather have Corbin or Giolito? Corbin. Mm, That's a tough one. Corbin was really someone I was kind of starting to get concerned about before this most recent start. And I know I have them both ranked similarly. I think that I prefer Giolito right now. Okay. And Zach Ranke struggled yesterday. Five runs in seven innings on 11 hits. Only two strikeouts. So that's now seven swinging strikes combined in his last two starts for Granke. Uh Any concerns? No. no. He has um his swing his his k per nine is below eight now yeah uh, for the season so that that actually is something that's a little concerning to me not because i feel like like the sky is falling for zach Granke. i just wonder if you know uh, uh, he's old and eventually he's going to start losing it a bit so you know is he closer to the bum garner range of starting pitchers than uh than the Blake Snell range. I don't know. I'm not there yet, but he could be trending that way. Wow. I just, w- with Rinky, he doesn't really or hasn't for most of the last half decade needed swinging strikes very much. Right. 
And I think like he was at 8.1 K per nine the year he had a 1.66 ERA. So he ha- he's struck out more than a batter per inning once in the last five years. I'm just not, I'm not really worried about him at all. Okay. And I mean, it's the last two starts. It's, Five strikeouts in 14 and a third that have really killed his K rate and his swinging strike rate. Okay, so those are some studs being duds. Snell, Giolito, and Granky. Studs being studs. We could do this quickly here. Scherzer, broken nose and everything. Seven scoreless, ten strikeouts against Philadelphia. And then earlier in the day, they played a doubleheader yesterday. Patrick Corbin, seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes. And uh, he got back on track. His previous three starts have been just awful. So Scherzer, Corbin, I think, I mean, I'm going to skip it, guys, because I think we already, Scherzer's number one and Corbin ahead of Giolito or right there with Giolito, top 15 starting pitchers, basically. So, yeah. Uh, All right, cool. So let's take a listen to uh, our friends from Lightstream. When we come back, we'll talk to you about Trevor Story. Big injury news on Trevor Story. Aaron Judge nearing his return. Going to get the Ono meter out. Should Brian Reynolds be owned in more than 50% of leagues? And who's moving up and who's moving down in the rankings for Scott and Heath? We're coming right back on Fantasy Baseball today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Trevor Story hurt his thumb yesterday. He's going to have an MRI today. And uh, this is not the first time he left with a thumb injury and had x-rays that were negative, which is the case here. Happened in 2006, but an MRI showed torn ligaments and he missed the rest of the season. So, okay, we're not going to freak out, but... Do you think Brendan Rodgers would get a second chance? And would you be interested in Brendan Rodgers if there's an I.L. stint here for Story? Yes to both. If, if that's what happens, I don't know who, who else they'd go with. I mean, Brendan Rodgers certainly didn't embarrass himself the first trip up here and having Coors Field as his home environment, getting more regular bats. I think we could see even better results if, if, he, if, if that did come to pass. Obviously, that's not what we're hoping for, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I haven't, I haven't taken Rogers off my radar just because he got sent back down. All right. He, he was pretty bad, but it, a lot of guys struggle when they first come up and yeah, I think there's, there's reason to be interested. 34% owned Brendan Rogers. I hope I didn't drop him in the league that I spent 35% of my fab on him. Um, I, I think I dropped him everywhere that I had him, but. If he gets another chance, you go pick him back up. I, nobody was rushing to add him when you dropped him. That's true. Do I have him? Do I have him? No, I dropped him. Oh, gosh. I'm, I suck at life. And I don't... <laughs> I think you could go pick him up tonight. I don't think there will be anyone else putting a bid on him unless we get word today that Story's out for, like, a long time. Okay, we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, Adalberto Mondes, he sat with a groin issue. Uh, Aaron Judge could be back tomorrow. Rafael Devers left with hamstring tightness. Don't know the severity. He's going to miss Friday's game. 
And they're, they're calling him day-to-day for now on Rafael Devers. I dropped my pen, but I'm on camera, so I can't pick it up right now, and that's, that's upsetting me. Marwin Gonzalez is on the I.L. with a <laughs> hamstring injury. The Twins called up Williams Astudio, and he homered yesterday, played second base. What's your level of interest in Williams Astudio? Uh, 100 in a two-catcher <laughs> league, and not very much in a one-catcher league. But he was just absolutely tearing up triple a since he'd been sent down comes back gets three hits and a home run he's a, i mean for as long as he's up he's definitely a top 20 catcher he's probably a top 15 yeah. catcher it was interesting seeing him start at second base because like I, I i don't think i don't think jonathan scope is anyone their lineup would miss too terribly and uh, he turned two double plays he was involved in two double plays like I wanted to, I wish I could have seen that because that would have been fun to see. But <laughs> yes. yeah, when when he said he was tearing it up at AAA in nine games, he hit five twenty six with three home runs. Wow. <sighs> yeah. So yeah. there's another catcher that's pretty interesting. It's Tom Murphy because now for the second straight day, Murphy and Narvaez were in the lineup at the same time. They've altered. They've switched off between catching and DH. So would you rather have Astudio or Tom Murphy? Astudio. I yeah I think there's more hope that Estadio finds somewhere on the diamond or or several somewheres to play every day when I don't think Murphy's ever going to reach that point Estudio, unless you know barring an injury Estadio or uh, Roberto Perez that's like 13 Estudio. home runs yeah I, I definitely Estadio Perez is fine if you know you've exhausted the upside options out there but I definitely pursue upside over him. Okay. More news. Uh, so Jordan Alvarez, or yeah, I, I'm going to eat with the Y. Everybody's saying it with a Y, so I'm going to say Jordan Alvarez till further notice. He sat there at Cincinnati. <laughs> he DHs. So just letting you know, Blake Parker um, on the fam- that series is over. So Blake Parker's on the family medical emergency list. Garrett Cooper sat with a sore triceps. Miami acquired outfielder Cesar Pueyo from the Angels for cash. So we'll see uh, if he gets some regular playing time, maybe for NL only owners. Trey Mancini left with an elbow contusion just when Scott moved him up the rankings. He got hit by a pitch, and Trey Mancini day to day should be fine. Manny Machado is negative, yeah. Yeah, Manny Machado hit a 403 foot single. That was interesting. It was off the very top of the wall. It looked like a home run. Uh, go look up the replay. It was kind of crazy. Texas third baseman is Drupal Cabrera has 11 home runs this year. All of them have come at home. Cabrera has a 230 slugging percentage on the road. Shohei Otani stole his third base in seven games. That is big. Otani's doing everything right now. So that's good to see. Sean Newcomb's on the seven-day concussion IL. Mike Moustakas sat with a bruised hand. Yandy Diaz on the IL with a hamstring strain. Ken Giles is nearing a return. And the National League, here's an interleague stat for you. The National League has a 559 winning percentage right now against the AL. That would be its best ever in interleague play, which started in 1997. Last year, the NL also had a better record than the AL. They, they won the interleague battle. That was after 14 straight years with the American League having a better record. And in terms of fantasy relevance, does this matter? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know that, like, I used to sort of kind of favor NL pitchers. You know, the DH and the AL was just better. But, man, there are terrible teams in the American League. And I'm not so sure that I feel that way anymore. It's a big deal to not face the pitcher, you know, uh, when you're comparing AL pitchers versus NL pitchers. But obviously the National League mm. is is the better league right now. I don't know if that ma- matters for fantasy relevance. It's the deeper league. There are, there are less 
there are fewer purely tanking teams, if that's the accepted term, uh, in the in the NL. So yeah, that's 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 a good point. I mean, especially AL Central. My goodness. Yeah. And uh, Chris Towers yesterday on the show confused Major League One with Major League Two, and that is pathetic. Like that is pathetic. I wish Chris mm. were here. I'm going to tell him tomorrow. It's just just embarrassing. All right, it's time for the Ono Meter. So here's how the Ono Meter works. You, I give you a player, and you tell me how owned he should be. Zero to ten. Ten is he should be 100% owned. Zero, zero percent owned. A five, he should be about 50% owned. So let's start with Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds, in his previous 31 games, before going three for four with a home run yesterday, 31 games before that, he was the t- number 10 outfielder in points, number 15 in Roto. Reynolds is just, he's got a great batting average. He's batting 362 with six home runs. And he's, he's a high BABIP guy. But yeah, 0 to 10. Let's start with Heath for Brian Reynolds on the ONO meter. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is I don't know if we know enough yet to know how high Brian Reynolds' BABIP should be, but I'm pretty sure it shouldn't be 440. Um, so I, I he might be a 300 hitter. I think he's probably more like a 280, 290 hitter. I, when I put together the rookie rankings a couple of days ago, that by far the most common response I got was, why do you have Brian Reynolds so low? And it's, I think I've discovered it's because he's Nick Markakis in a best-case scenario, and I've always been too low on Nick Markakis. I don't think 50... Like, maybe he should be 60% owned, but I don't really think he's going to be someone that has to be owned in a three-outfielder standard 12-team points league. Okay. So I want to I want to mention a stat I've kind of been immersing myself in recently, and I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast today, and it's XBA, X standing for expected, like in every other X, X stat, and BA standing for batting average. Uh, and I know there's some debate out there as to how useful of a stat this is, but you know the the way BABIP has revealed its flaws in more recent years, where you know the assumption of BABIP was always Oh, average hitter should have about a 300 BABIP. And, you know, it's it's proven over time that some hitters are high BABIP guys, some are low BABIP guys. So, I, you know, ex-BABIP might, ex-BA, I mean, might be a more direct route to the answer we're wanting to find. And ex-BA for Brian Reynolds says she should be a 302 hitter. So, you know, in more... In, term, in more familiar terms, that means he does profile as a high BABIP guy, but obviously his BABIP right now is way high. Yeah, and he's so I, I think he's probably a six for me, too. All right, a six for Brian Reynolds. Ryan McMahon is 39% owned. <clears throat> he is an everyday player lately. He's playing against lefties. He's actually been a lot better against lefties this year. So, look, I was getting kind of excited about Ryan McMahon. I dropped Yuli Gurriel for him, which I'm fine with. Gurriel really has no upside. But, you know, I, I looked at his recent hot streak, McMahon, and it is pretty much all singles. Yesterday he did double. But, you know, look. It's Coors Field. It's McMahon. We liked him early in the season. 39% owned, 0-10 to 10 on the Ono meter for Ryan McMahon. Scott, you go first. Uh, yeah, definitely going up. I think he's back up to like uh, 7 or 8 for me. It, it might be hard to, to roster him in the 21-man roster head-to-head leagues, but anything deeper, I'm probably uh, pursuing that upside again because he seems to be on the right track and has much clearer path to playing time now with Rodgers out of the picture. Yeah, I story. I like oh, Ryan McMahon, oh, and I was yeah. the one of the McMahon like he was my guy before the season, but it's just not resulted in actual good fantasy results so far. Like I cannot find a time period. Maybe if I go last seven days, 
where he's even in the top 15 second baseman. Yeah, last last seven last seven point. days, I'm sure he is. But well, not I don't last know. 14, not last 21, not last 28. Like, but but mm-hmm. I mean the the difference it, is he's not a platoon player right now. You know, so Well, that, I think part of the yeah. difference is um like five of his last seven games have been at course. Sure, sure. Uh I wouldn't pick him up if he weren't on the Rockies. But would, um, would I, you right. would you rather have I'll say a five, five or six. Would you rather have Kevin Biggio or Ryan McMahon? Biggio. Uh Biggio. I'd rather Biggio. Yeah. All right, Ono meter for Tyler Malley. I mean, this is what I'm, I, I just I suck at life. I dropped Tyler Malley two days ago, and yesterday he has seven innings, seven strikeouts, two runs against Houston. Just great stuff there. Yeah. Uh, previous four starts, six fifty-two ERA. He'll be at the Angels next week. He's twenty-eight percent owned, zero to ten on the Ono meter for Malley. So he's not a two-start pitcher next week. He doesn't necessarily have a good matchup next week, and he's certainly not a must-own pitcher. I think I think where he's at at twenty-eight percent, like I'll. I think that's per- 2.8 on the Ono meter. That's okay. fine. All right. Uh, I'll bump it up to four, but yeah, I'm not I'm not that moved by yesterday's start. It was the aberration in terms of results, and I don't see much I don't see much in the underlying numbers to get excited about. Brandon Dixon is six percent owned. <laughs> Zero to ten for Brandon Dixon. Two. One yeah, one point five. Daniel Ponce de Leon, Dixon, by the way, for the uh, Tigers. And uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon, starting pitcher for the Cardinals. Six scoreless with six strikeouts against Miami yesterday. And you just look at what he's done in the majors. He's been pretty good. So Daniel Ponce de Leon is 8% owned. One start against Oakland next week. Uh, Zero to ten for him. Are we sure he's going to make that start? Because it looks like they have five guys without him. No, I actually was hoping uh, you could clarify there. Daniel Ponce de Leon's yeah, place in the rotation. I, I was not confident he was going to do that. I, I don't. Do we know exactly where Waka stands? Um, yeah, like kind of I, toward I, the first I, base side of the mound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't know what got him to start in the first place. If they had a double header or just a situation where they wanted to move everybody back a day, I, I don't know what it was, but. Uh, yeah, I'm I I I'm only putting it like a 3 because I'm not confident he's long for this role. If I was, it might be like a 6 because he has done some interesting things both in the majors and the minors, but I'm putting it like 3 now. Okay. I mean, I think Ponce de Leon, he's pitched well enough to to justify putting him in the rotation over Michael Waka. So, it maybe at yeah. the very least it's a name to know. Mentioned there were a lot of double dongs yesterday, so let's get to it. Let's start with Mike Trout. Honestly, I have nothing to say about Mike Trout. He's We talked about him at length two days ago, so he's amazing. And he's obviously <clears throat> the number one outfielder. Well, actually, that's not true, because Yelich and <clears throat> Bellinger. What's wrong with me right now? Uh, talk about Wilson uh, Contreras. Tried to be cute. Look where it got you. <laughs> I, it's, not, it's just like, why? Why? Just give me one sentence. Why bets over Trout? Nothing that's happened so far has changed my mind. He played 70 games. He's been so much better than Mookie Betts. And by the way, he's usually better than Mookie Betts. He's Mike Trout. Well, two of the last three years, Betts has been better. And now two of the last four, Trout has been better. And the, the, oh, Betts has so only been better. it seems like better. a coin flip. Betts has only been better because of plate appearances. <laughs> like, Trout is better. All right. Wilson Contreras <laughs> is the number three catcher in fantasy. 
He doubled on yesterday. Scott, is that where you have Wilson Contreras? Is he the number three catcher in fantasy? I have him fourth. Real Muto so, would be uh, if if you had him third. I'm not really going to argue with you, but um, I like I like Sanchez, Grandal, and Real Muto all better. Yep. Do you guys have Grandal over Real Muto? I do not. I do actually because I don't think the playing time disparity exists anymore, and that was that was fueling a lot of the Real Muto love at the start of the year. So okay. I actually moved Grandal ahead. Domingo Santana homered twice yesterday. I cannot believe that Domingo Santana is the number 11 outfielder in Roto. That really surprises me. Uh, he's number 28 in points leagues. 54 RBIs is really good. But, look, I mean, he's got five steals, 279 batting average, 15 homers. I, I, I'm surprised. There's no standout number there that would lead me to think that Domingo Santana in a 5x5 five five league is the number 11 outfielder, but so he is. I will say that his first 12 games, he had a 1071 OPS. Last 61 games, 734 OPS until yesterday. Now it's probably, I don't know, 770s or so. Um, all right, how do we feel about Domingo Santana, guys? Own him, start him. There's not, not much. He's, I don't think he's going to be a top 15 outfielder, but he could be anywhere between 15 and 35. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that. Uh, he, he, there, there's, there are a lot of similarities between him and Tommy Pham. I think uh, Tommy Pham is the more disciplined hitter of the two, but I think, I, I think they're closer in value than they get credit for sometimes. Brian Dozier, fifty-five percent owned, and <clears throat> homered twice yesterday, but in two games. But he's. You know, like his previous 26 games, he had a 916 OPS. If you look at the splits, Dozier's been great against lefties, 1185 OPS, and terrible against righties, which is not what we saw last year. So I don't know how legit it is. But Dozier, 55% on. How would you rank Dozier, Biggio, McMahon? I would rank them Biggio, McMahon, Dozier, though, you know, people who are writing off Dozier, which probably included me. Or at least rethinking that now. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, we had a discussion, I think, a week ago, Biggio or Howie Kendrick, and I had Dozier one spot ahead of Kendrick. I'd still rather have Dozier than Kendrick. He's a top 24 second baseman, but he's not top 20 for me. Chris Taylor is going to be playing a lot now with Corey Seager on the IL, and he double-donged yesterday. You know, his batting average has been bad, but his ISO in May, Chris Taylor had a 257 ISO in May, and now a 250 ISO in June, so that's really good. Do you think Taylor is underowned at 26? percent A little, but not much. Okay. Yeah, shortstop being as deep as it is, um, yeah, I I would say just just a little. I I agree. Two more. Jason Kipnis double dong. Jason Kipnis is eight percent owned, and he says that he found something in his swing last week. And his last four games, Kipnis is 7 for 15 with three home runs and a double. Is anybody buying it with Kipnis? Can he find, share that thing that he found with Jose Ramirez? <laughs> yeah. Or could he have found it three years ago? Because this might have been a very different discussion then. It's been a long time since we've seen a good J- J- uh, Jason Kipnis. 
and I need to see a lot more of it before I get interested. By the way, Chris Taylor is actually second base eligible, so would you guys rather have Taylor or um, Kipnis? Taylor. Yeah. Okay, and finally, Rowdy Telez double-dong. Telez is 14% owned. He's been a lot better against lefties this year, which is surprising. He's been terrible against righties. He crushed an Andrew Heaney pitch yesterday, a, a bomb to center field. Rowdy Telez, and he has started five straight games since Justin Smoke's injury, including three against lefties. Is Telez under-owned at 14%? He's under-owned for as long as Justin Smoke is hurt. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, then. Uh, I'm going to skip around in the notes a little bit because I want to have a little fun. Bring on Nate Dogg and Warren G. We're going to regulate something. Here we go. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Patrick from Chicago. Subject line, fantasy regulators. Scherzer breaks his nose. Yahoo says he's starting Thursday. A reliever gets put into my active slot. The first game of a doubleheader starts. Lineups lock. Then they announced that Max will start the second game on Wednesday, not on Thursday. I immediately asked the commissioners to make the change. Neither will and say this isn't football. Yahoo has a rule that where everybody locks in the second game after the first one starts in a doubleheader. And that was the only reason Max was taken out of my lineup in the first place. Everybody knows this shouldn't have happened. Regulate Yahoo, guys. Help me out. <laughs> You know, there are other places you could play. I think you would have had the same problem on CBS, so I'm not going to go there. But yeah. um, I I think your commissioners are right. This, uh, you know, I... Yeah. This is, this is one of those situations where it's how hands-on does your commissioner want to be. And I could see a situation where Adam Azer fixed this as a commissioner... But that yeah. sets you up for setting a precedent that you're probably not going to fulfill later in the year. And I think it's better to just follow the rules. Yeah, you know, it's a tough call. So in case anybody's lost, uh, this, this guy had Scherzer. They played a doubleheader yesterday. Yahoo announced that Scherzer was going to start on Thursday. The first game of the doubleheader starts, and Scherzer's not in Patrick's lineup. And then it's announced that he's going to start the second game of the doubleheader, and now he doesn't have a chance to mm -hmm. get Scherzer into his lineup. So I don't know what I would have yeah. done as the commissioner. I do think it's a tough call here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's right. the commissioner's ruling, and we're okay with it. So in my opinion, guys, this has been regulated. And those are your fantasy regulators here on Wednesday, That's it. Thursday, June twentieth. That's it. Just one. Uh. I feel I like it's one. been a long time since I've been part of a regulator's segment. How'd you and all I said was, I, your commissioner is right. I had one, Adam. Oh, please, go on. Uh, this one was addressed to Scott. Uh, Scott, I am in a 14-team league where every Monday the commissioner goes and turns waivers off <laughs> so that people can <laughs> add and drop players freely until the lineups lock on Monday. Uh-huh. And okay. historically, what he does on a weekly basis is he sends an email to the league saying waivers are off. Unfortunately, this is not always at the same time of day, but it's within an hour range, so everyone deals with it. Mm -hmm. And like then people start adding people, dropping people, whatever. It happens until lineup slot. Well, one day in our league, there was no email <laughs> from the commissioner. The notification uh, that waivers were off was the fact that the commissioner had picked someone false. up. False. That is such crap. Oh. No, that is false. And liar. The commissioner refused to put the player back on the waiver wire. Can you please regulate? Who? Which player? Who are you talking about? 
Who are you talking about? I, I'm waiting yeah, for Scott's regulation. Well, okay. I don't. It sounded like Adam had an explanation, but now he sounds like he doesn't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say that's a bad move by the commissioner because, like, it, it's really hard. You have so much power as the commissioner, and there are subtle ways you could give yourself slight advantages here and there, and you just you have to you have to be uh, resolute about not doing that. And this sounds like one of those situations, especially since the the the, the precedent was established. And like nobody had any reason to be like they're not going to be hyperactively that, checking uh, to try and beat you to this guy until you send out the email. Like I almost feel like if you're a commissioner in this scenario, you have to give like everyone else a half hour buffer um, because you always are the first. To I, know give five, when, I give a five. Minute oh. I, I give a five minute buffer. I give a five minute buffer always. And there was an, an email from the commissioner at 1041 a.m. that day, two hours after he had picked someone up. I thought I sent this earlier, but I may not have. I'm sorry. I usually turn them off around 8 a.m. on Mondays, FYI. But I wasn't the first person. So to he pick, admitted but that I he wasn't, had picked someone up. I, I wasn't I asked, the first person. Are you going to drop the person you picked up before you told us? No, and you yeah, right, no. exactly. That's the thing. You asked. Nobody else cared. You just did that because you're you and I'm me. So this was not even an issue. I'm until pretty you sure waited. it was Brendan McKay. It was Brendan McKay. I'm pretty sure you waited. To, I mean, I'm you. You, I'm confused. It's been regulated. No, I, it's fine. Nobody you have cares to drop but you. McKay. I don't have. <laughs> I am not dropping Brendan. You McKay. only get the hitter version of Brendan McKay. <laughs> were you? Were you actually wanting to pick up Brendan McKay, Heath? Are you? No, just, no, false yep. lies. If Adam, <laughs> if Adam had done what he should have and dropped him, I would have picked him up immediately. Well, you don't believe that? No, I don't. You yes, I do, but for one reason, just to piss me <laughs> off. That that is it. That is it. All right, let's make sure we get to rankings here. Okay, so you guys, there's a lot I wanted to get to. It was it was such a busy day, so let's make sure we get to rankings. Uh, first of all, a question from Jonathan in New Jersey. Dear Unel, Alcides, and Kelvin, those are Escobars. Eduardo Escobar is someone who I don't often hear about on the podcast, but this year he's been nothing short of spectacular. Not to mention, it looks pretty legit. Uh, Heath has him number five in points and number eight in Roto. Scott has Escobar number 18 in both formats. What gives on Eduardo Escobar? So there are, is that, this is shortstop or third base? Shortstop? I think third base. Third base? Well, either way, there are a lot of players who I think are pretty close to unbenchable at those positions. And I'm not... I'm not even sure how the math works. Like, I know in all the leagues where I own Escobar, I'm starting him. In all the leagues where I own everybody I have ahead of ahead of Escobar, I'm starting them too. I'm not exactly sure how that math works out because somebody, um, you know, a 12-team league, how, how are all those guys being started? I don't know. Maybe there's enough multi-eligible guys. I don't know. It's just, it's just a there surplus are. of depth issue. Like, I, I noticed Heath, I was looking at this yesterday too, not knowing this email was going to come up. And I noticed Heath had Escobar ahead of even Cattell Marte, which, you know, I, I, I don't really see the justification for that, especially since Marte has eligibility at two positions that I would consider weaker than either of the ones Escobar has. Um, but that's, you know, that's just one example of, uh, of a guy who, I don't know. I'd have to pull over my rankings to see who else I have ahead of Escobar, but like they're good players. Yeah. That I have so, ahead of them. so it's guys like Vlad, 
Hunter Dozier, Austin Riley, DJ LeMahieu, Yoan Moncada. And yes, you can see right away there are players who are second base eligible. There are outfield eligible. So all of these guys are started pretty much across the board, except for Hunter Dozier, obviously. Um, yeah, but he's about. Yeah, so. Coming back. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that argument when I just look at third base, that there's not all that much separating five from 18. I mean, Josh Donaldson (laughs) is 21 for Scott, 19 for Heath, and, like, Javier Baez is fifth and sixth. It's not that big of a gap. For for 15, 16 spots in the rankings, you know, it's not that big of a gap. I think the ones that I have problems with, because, I like, the guys that have been really great in the past, but not as good as Escobar this year, I completely understand. Or the positional thing, I, I can understand. But even like DJ LeMayhew or Yohan Mankata, I mean, Mankata's been 60 fantasy points worse than Eduardo Escobar this year and is currently dealing with a back issue. LeMayhew has been 32 fantasy points worse than Escobar this year. And we didn't think LeMayhew was going to be very good at the beginning of the season. Well, part of it too is... And like he he said, it looks pretty legit. Like Escobar, Escobar is definitely a hitter with some power. Does he have this much? Um, you know, looking at the X stats, the expected stats, his XBA is 237. His X Wilba is 317, while his actual Wilba is 377. So I I I do have some doubts. He's it. I do question the part of the email where he says it looked pretty legit. Like. Okay, I, you so know, that's, I, I think I think the regressed version of Escobar is still a pretty good player that everybody wants to own, but he's, I don't think he is quite this good. By the way, as far as I just want to give a stat on Lemayhu real quick, he's batting four sixty two with runners in scoring position. So forty six RBIs, that's, yeah, right? It's going not, to change. Yeah, forty six RBIs for basically a leadoff hitter. He is going to lead off, if, at least for the foreseeable future, for what I expect to be the best or one of the three best lineups in baseball, and that he's going to be great. In that regard, but yeah, I mean that batting average runner scoring position is incredible. Okay, so here's the deal, guys. We don't have that much time left on the show, and we do have a lot to get to. So we're gonna do rankings. What I want you to do, Scott's gonna give you three players moving up, then Heath, then Heath will give you three players going down in the rankings, then Scott will do the same. We're not gonna debate. We're not gonna like break it down all that much because I, you know, I want to. Okay. Mention- so just tell me who's moving up, how high, and why, and. We'll give kind of quick hit advice to our listeners. Scott, who are who which players are moving up in your rankings? So moving up is Max Muncie, who uh you know, big part of it is it's clear he's an everyday player now. And again, his stats against left handers are better than right handers, so there's no reason why he shouldn't be an everyday player. He's also picked up the pace his his numbers suddenly look a lot more like they did last year when you know last year what what at the start of the season he was kind of uh he kind of looked like maybe he wasn't quite all he looked like then so uh he is now in my top six i believe at second base when before he was outside of the top 12 i think he's a must start across the board and you know he's triple eligible. I think he's probably a must start at all three of his positions. All right, Max I'm Muncy. fifth at second base actually. Yep, and Heath has him six. So Max Munce, Max Muncy a riser. Who else? Uh, Trey Mancini. Uh, who? Yeah, I mean we got to see. It, it's still possible he has a bruise that could put him on the IL, but it wouldn't be for very long. And 
you know, it just came to a point where looking the outfields, the production hadn't slowed down at all. And because of that, where he was showing up in terms of outfield scoring and first base scoring was basically in the, with the, all the elite players. And the batted ball data looks better than in years past. He is elevating the ball more, which explains the power increase. Uh, I think he's pretty legit. And I think the, rec- the rankings needed to reflect that. All right, yeah, he is a top 10 first baseman, Trey Mancini. And so and he's top 10 outfield, too, I think. But he's only 15th in your rankings, but again, very good players ahead of him. Uh, yeah. oh, at first base, that is. So your last guy, yeah, coming off a bad start, Kyle Gibson. Another guy who really yeah, hasn't been... You, oh, yeah, go ahead. I sent you this list before seeing what he did yesterday. It was obviously an awful start, but the, the five walks especially were just weird because he had a total of four walks in his previous five starts. And in his previous 10 starts, he had put together a 282 ERA with a 15% swinging strike rate that would have ranked fifth in all of baseball if that was his swinging strike rate for the season. He was a guy last year who had... Um, whose swinging strike rate suggested his numbers should have been better than they were. His slider is really good at getting swings and misses. So it it looked like he might be taking a big step forward. And I'm not willing to say he isn't because he had one bad start. I think that would be an overreaction to one start. Um, but my enthusiasm is dampened a little by what he did yesterday. Still, he's in my top 50 starting pitchers when before he was probably outside of the top 75. Well, Kyle Gibson has five quality starts this season, and all of the teams that he's faced, that he's had a quality start against, are in the bottom eight in runs per game. So that makes me a little hesitant, but he has been uh, 44th in points, 40th in roto at starting pitcher, and he will face a lot of bad teams, and he will win games. He's 7-4. Mm-hmm. and four. All right, so Max Muncy, Trey Mancini, and Kyle Gibson up for Scott. Heath, who's moving up in the rankings for you? couple guys we've talked quite a bit about outfielders Ramon Laureano Oscar Mercado both inside my top 50 outfielders rest of season now Laureano looks like a 2020 guy I mean he's been 16 homers 15 stolen bases 273 average in his first 123 major league games obviously a very good defensive player you don't have to worry about playing time what's been good lately and I don't know how long it's going to last because it hasn't happened enough is he's actually moved up in his last I believe three games now he has hit fifth in the order he's been at the close to the bottom of the order for most of the season so that could help him become more relevant in points leagues Mercado is apparently the Indians number two hitter he's been there for about three and a half weeks now and Mercado starting to run just a little bit more he's hit he doesn't strike out quite as much as Laureano I don't think he'll have as much power at any point in his career but like the guy that I compare these two who is someone we were much more excited about at the beginning of the year and has just mostly been dreadful, it's Victor Robles. And I I think I'd probably rather have both than Robles at this point. Okay, so that's Loriano and Mercado. And the pitcher you have moving up in your rankings is Cole Hamels, and he's been great lately. By the way, it's funny, I, I just have to mention that Heath has Kyle Gibson 105th in his rankings. You're not really feeling Kyle Gibson? I moved him up into the top 80 just because okay. he's just someone I'd never moved because I didn't really yeah. necessarily buy his good six-start stretch, and now I'm going to move him up after a uh, after a bad outing, but he, he deserves to be in the top 80. I, I just discovered this week that I didn't have Hunter Pence in my outfield rankings at all, so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes uh, players slip through. Cole Hamels is number 29 for Heath, top 30 pitcher. 
Yeah, and that's like I think we talked about it last week how I decided he deserves to be in the top 30. He's probably not ever going to crack my top 20. But, I mean, the way his last four starts have gone, he might if he does this again for another month. All of them seven innings, only one earned run allowed, lots of strikeouts, almost no walks. He looked really, really shaky for a while there, but looks like uh, looks like he's figured things out. Let's go to who's moving down in the rankings, guys. We have about five minutes left in the show, FYI. But Heath, who are the three guys that are moving down in your rankings? You know, I think we're getting close to the point where people have to stop making the we had Javier Baez as a bust jokes. Because Javier Baez, I was looking at the rankings last week. He's like the number 12 third baseman in fantasy. He's, I'm not sure if he's in the top 10 shortstops. I don't think he's in the top five second baseman. The strikeouts have caught up to him. The stolen bases aren't really there. He's good, but he's not been anywhere close to the superstar he was at the beginning of the year. And what he's doing now looks more like, to me, the real Javier Baez than what he was at the beginning of the season. We already talked about Robles. He's just, like, even if you say, I think he's going to hit better than this, and I do think he's eventually going to hit better than this. He's 22 years old. I think he has a very bright future. He's still not running at the rate we were hoping that he would run at, or the rate that he did in the minor leagues. And that's the main point of value that we were hoping for for, from Victor Robles this season. He's attempted now 13 stolen bases, and he's been caught four of them. So have you moved Mercado and Loriano ahead of Robles? He is one spot behind, but that they go they go in order now. Yes. Oh, okay. And then Baez, uh, you have fifth at second base. He is fifth at second base, right behind Cattell Marte. Okay. He is sixth at third base, right behind Escobar, and he is tenth at shortstop, right behind Tatis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just want to add on on Baez that. There was a, a big drop in performance when he started playing through an injury. I don't know if he's still deal, still dealing with it, but you know, I remember Matt Snyder on our website really bringing it down. And you know, something to keep in mind: Max Freed is the pitcher you're moving down, but he did just have a great start. Does that change anything for you with Freed? He did just have a good start. Great um, start. Eh, good start. I don't think it was a like six innings, two runs allowed, six strikeouts. I don't think qualifies as great. It's good. Yeah, pretty good. It's, pretty good. Eight, eight hits. Eight yeah. hits was the probably the worst that yeah. number. There. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I I think what he's been so far with a four oh three RA is pretty close to probably what he is. I have concerns that in the second half of the season he turns back into a long relief guy. Um, I I was a little bit skeptical when things were going really well for him, and now that he's cooled off. He's dropped down to the 60 range at starting pitcher. Okay, Scott White. So if Heath's moving down, Javi Baez, Victor Robles, and Max Fried, tell us the three players moving down in your rankings. Aaron Nola, who kept getting a pass just because he was Aaron Nola and coming off to good season. Like, there, there's just nothing really redeeming in the underlying numbers to make you think this guy's going to be turning around to be an ace still. I, I, I think he'll turn it around to a degree. But I have dropped him. I made huge changes to my pitching rankings this week. I felt like I turned them completely upside down. And Nola was a big part of that. I moved him down to 35th. Whoa. Obviously still must own. Whoa. Obviously a range where you're still probably going to start him most of the time. 35th. 35th now. Holy cow. Yeah. That is, whoa. Yeah. I should have led the show with that. Okay. 
35th for <laughs> Nola. You're also moving down to Edwin Diaz. Yes, Edwin Diaz. 35th in your um, closer rankings. No, not that far. He's still in the top 10, but he had been one or two basically all year. And it's kind of just it's kind of just a statement on closer in general. You have you have the guys who are good relievers and have uh, the role all to themselves and there's like 15 of them and whatever order you want to put them in is probably fine. Um Diaz has fallen on hard times lately. His whip no longer looks so great. His numbers as a whole are even before then we're looking worse than last year. Not to the point you're really worried about his job security, but to the point like, is he really better than Brad Hand? I'd already moved him behind Kirby Yates, but is he really better than like Felipe Vasquez? Like it's just it it's just such a jumble there in the top fifteen and that we were paying a premium for Diaz over those other guys, I think in retrospect seems kind of not smart. And Heath was, you know, Heath was at the forefront of that, so good for him. Uh, and Daniel Murphy, the last guy. Just the only guy in your rankings that is ahead of Diaz that I think shouldn't be is Vasquez, just because there, I think there is a chance that Vasquez gets traded, and if he gets traded, there's a chance he's not a closer anymore. So I just want to throw Maybe. that scenario out. But um, Daniel Murphy, he's been playing pretty well lately, Scott White, and he's moving down. And by the way, this is the end of the show, so make it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm moving Daniel Murphy down and uh I'm I'm not moving him down to a place where I'm absolutely dropping him in all leagues, but like I feel like I had been unwilling to move him down at all when, you know, a lot of the underlying numbers suggested I deserved to. Not only the fact he's not quite an everyday player as many have pointed out, but his ex, the quality of contact he's been making is so poor. He's still been making a lot of it, but it's so poor that his XBA is 222. His ex Woba is 266, which is bottom five in baseball. Those are expected stats. So that that's that's assuming things normalize, and it's even worse than his numbers actually are. So uh, it's. I'm not optimistic about Daniel Murphy anymore, even though he is showing some small signs of turning things around. I am willing to stash him a little longer uh, just because the upside, of course, field is so great. But we're we're getting close to the point where I'm I'm not even willing to do that. We are going to just remain forever on the opposite sides on Daniel Murphy because I was I think just yesterday I admitted or two or Sunday, maybe I admitted I was wrong about Daniel Murphy because he has a 971 OPS in June. So, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll just, it's we'll mostly it's mostly because of a lot of multi-hit games though, right? Or he, he has a force he has a 600 slug in June. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I well. Yeah, it's, it was a curious time to move him down, but at the same time, I mean, he he will sit sometimes against lefties, so yep. it's, it's it, it was probably I was overdue you know, or er, like early on I didn't move him down when I should have, and so now it's appropriate. And I moved him too far, and now I've moved him back. All right, guys, so, so we, we do ha like we actually have to go. I apologize that we have to vacate the studio for Canel and Bell, which is a great podcast that you should be listening to. I failed miserably on this rundown. There were about 15 players I, I wanted to talk about, including Michael Brantley, who homered for the first time in 32 games, and uh, at least 32. And we will try to talk about that tomorrow. Also, a topic for tomorrow's show, I, Adam Azer, I think I am officially tired of X stats. So chew on that for the next 24 <laughs> hours. 
We'll talk to you yep. soon. I'm using them more than ever. We'll talk to you soon on uh, on fantasy baseball today. Thanks for listening, everybody.